Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another edition to my weekly Friday market update. Every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific time, I stream and go over all of the relevant headline articles that I want to cover and provide my insights to. And then at the later parts of the video, I always go over and extract the market data itself from the Bay Area so that you're able to see the numbers and see how things are likely to change over time. Um, before we begin, I do this because I want everybody to be aware of what is actually happening and my thoughts are from someone that does this day in and day out of how this may or may not impact the Bay Area real estate market. If you're a renter or if you're thinking of uh, doing a trade up, a lot of people are moving further away um, from the core, uh, more expensive areas. Let's have a conversation. I've had a lot of these conversations already through these videos itself, so I'm glad it has been helpful and uh, looking forward to a separate conversation with yourself. Without further ado, let's get going. The very first and the largest thing here is about the upcoming Heels Act. So this is uh, still ongoing. It hasn't been resolved uh, just yet, but there's gonna be likely another stimulus package that will continue to extend what we already have. Since they're going back and forth uh, with the Senate and the House, I know they're planning to at least temporarily extend until they figure out the, the details of what a further stimulus would be. So I believe that $600 a week extra stimulus check will continue to be going on for at least another week uh, or another couple of weeks as they get things taken care of. However, it is likely that there's going to be another extension of at least some sort of stimulus. And this one is a little bit different than before. So people may get a little bit less stimulus checks um, than the $600 a week, which was actually a lot higher if you think about it for most people. If you think about what minimum wage is, that is about, let's see, this would be equate to about $12 an hour. So for many people, this was actually more money for them to sit around and just do nothing but collect uh, checks than it was for them to get out and, and start working. So the Republican side felt like this was not um, encouraging people to get back into the work environment and people were just taking advantage of this. So they're thinking of lowering this. There's, there's discussions, it could be $200 a week to really give them the motivation to get back to work. So this is still ongoing as we speak. Um, the Democratic side would want to increase this, at least keep it at the current level of $600, a $600 rate. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But at the very least, as they figure things out, they will uh, extend this for another couple of weeks of the current uh, extension for those that are unemployed. So something to be aware of, but be prepared. Another trillion dollars is going to be uh, in place uh, with the next act, Heals Act in this case. Now, one of the other big news of the week was the big tech hearings. So big tech had uh, they're, uh, they were grilled at the Senate level this week, I believe just yesterday. Um, and they all had the opportunity to share. And it was kind of interesting because they all shared the same rags to riches story and how on one end they're, they don't share how dominant they are in the respective industries, but they say on a macro level, it's a highly competitive environment. They all had the same story and the same speech. So it's kind of funny and interesting to hear that now. There are a couple of different outcomes from this, and I, I personally don't think all of them are bad. So uh, let's say they, nothing happens and they keep 
progressing as they are. They, at the latest earnings report, have absolutely smashed and killed it from a uh, revenue beat perspective, but also from an earnings beat perspective. Uh, most of their reports just came out yesterday, and they all have record highs when it comes to stock, but also from a earnings and from a revenue perspective. So they're doing very well. And as I mentioned, especially here in the Bay Area, we're not living in, in equal uh, levels here. The, the ones that are doing very well, like big tech, are doing even better now. And the others like Main Street of the service industry are just not, are just not, it's just not the same. And so it's very important for people to understand there is a very big divide when it comes to the haves and the have nots. And big tech is certainly dominating when it comes to the current environment. If you think about what we do today, I mean, we're using these platforms more than ever before, whether people are browsing on Facebook, Instagram, whether it's TikTok, whether it's YouTube for content, Netflix, um, Microsoft from an enterprise perspective, people are more attached. And I honestly can't imagine what if we didn't even have these tools. So they all have a very high satisfaction rate from a consumer perspective, given what the kind of entertainment and the content that we're able to get. However, from a uh, Senate perspective, it's very easy for them to target them and bash on them as to they don't allow more innovation and destrifle competition. However, even if there was a breakup, I feel like that would actually be a very positive thing for, um, for not necessarily for consumers. It may be beneficial for consumers as well, maybe not, but I would say it would be beneficial from the job market perspective. If you think about these large entities, they have various different businesses. So if you think about Facebook as an example, Facebook is purely on ads, but they have very big businesses and a lot of other products, whether it's Facebook, the platform itself, but also Instagram. So if they actually broke it up, they would hire a lot more people because there's a lot of things that, uh, that overlap, whether it's from their sales team on the ad side, or it could be on the, uh, on the, uh, GNA side. So it could be whether it's recruiting, it could be on, um, just accounting and all these kind of the basic kind of back end things, or it could be support. So there'll be a lot more hiring that'll happen. I think the profit may shrink a little bit. However, from a stock valuation perspective, think about the value that's increased. If you're able to buy just Instagram because of their trajectory of their growth or buying Facebook as a standalone asset, an example they can look at is look at like eBay and PayPal. Uh, so, you know, they were merged at, at one time many years ago, but as they have separated, they had their own uh, growth trajectories. And I think eBay recently just even sold for billions of dollars their ad classified ad side, of it, which I don't even know many people that even use that. But as you can see, if they actually broke it up, it may actually provide a, a larger net um, market share value uh, because they're all in different pieces and they all have their different growth trajectories. And there's also a certain level of growth trajectory and a PE valuation that you can have from a, a smaller, a faster growing company. So honestly, if they were able to break it up, and a lot of these are able to break it up, I think the total aggregate of the total market cap would actually be a lot higher. So I, I actually don't think it's a negative if they actually do break it up um, by any means. And it'll be the same for anything. You look at Amazon. Amazon has a huge... Uh, e-commerce business, of course, everybody knows that. But if you look at their even their cloud business of AWS, that's already at ten billion dollars a a year of rev or a quarter of revenue, and so that's about an eighth. So that's about twelve thirteen percent of Amazon. But 
that has a really crazy uh, trajectory, but also uh, potentially the gross margins versus the e-commerce business. So I think a lot of potential can be unlocked if they were to do that. So I'm not too uh, bearish if the, if it does happen. And so does Josh Brown at CNBC says the same thing related to if it breaks up, it's actually not the end of the world. It's actually still, it could be, be it could be better, honestly. Um, as I brought up, big tech post blowout quarters, just absolutely smashed uh, uh, earnings. Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple. Surprise, actually, Apple as well. People still wanted to trade up and and use new uh, tools and and buy their buy their platforms versus the others are more of internet based uh, services. So something to be aware of. Like people may have thought, oh, a few people have left Facebook's uh, advertising platform and Facebook is going you know, downwards. The interesting statistics is while those are big and huge headline articles, Facebook actually has a heavy, a a really large amount of their revenue actually comes from small to medium sized businesses is way larger than these uh, very large players, which a lot of people don't actually really understood that. And while the small and medium sized businesses have been hit, they're very reliant on the Facebook and Instagram platforms for their own marketing perspective. So something to be aware of, like even though there's been so much negative press of Facebook recently, um, it's still a big population. And really, if you're a small and medium-sized business, you absolutely rely on Facebook uh, a lot to grow your business. So, um, and it's, it's, it's just the latest earnings report shows that they absolutely killed it, smashed it on the revenue side and the earnings side, way better than the expectation. And so, hence their stock price uh, after hours did incredibly well yesterday. So let's talk about the uh, loan and real estate market side and how that is being impacted. You can see in this case, loans and forbearance fall for the sixth straight week. I brought this up months ago that we couldn't even get out of forbearance if we wanted to. People use this as an insurance. And the reality is this, people want to drag it out as long as they possibly can. And then if they need to, then they'll, they'll sell it. So, and fortunately for a lot of people, over 90% have significant equity of over at least over 10% in their homes. So they still will not be underwater. So the aspect of people asking me, hey, look, where are foreclosures coming? What's going on with foreclosures? Uh, I don't see that happening for a while, if it does happen at all, given the equity amount, but also given the support that is given by the government. So something to be aware of, we should see this continue to drop, even as you know, people have already seen COVID cases have continued to increase in most areas, but the aspect that is still dropping shows a different story. Mortgage applications in terms of buyer demand continue to be extremely uh, strong. We still have a lot of people actively looking, and I'll show you the actual home ownership rate are at uh, decade highs. But this gives you an idea. The thing that's happening right now is not people leaving for good per se, is people looking at that math equation. Why am I paying such a high amount in rent when I can literally own a home and gain all the benefits from that? So we're going to see continue to see purchase mortgage applications remain steady, if not continue to even increase, which is a crazy amount if you think about where we're at right now and how high demand levels are. But as we continue to see uh, rates either stay flat, with which is what it is at right now, or continue to drop, uh, which is likely to happen, we'll see a lot more and continued uh, movement of the demand side continue to uh, increase but also would force a lot of pressure on prices uh, given the amount of demand versus supply. Pending home sales surge for a second straight month. 
signed contracts gained 17% in June as low mortgage rates spurred home buyers. As I mentioned previously, just the Fed has continued to express they are going to keep rates at near zero until the economy recovers. Um, so they're, they are pumping and they are very firm, as firm as they have ever been in terms of what they're trying to do to create the confidence for consumers. And clearly, uh, consumers are very confident in the current environment and the current market, given how low rates are. If you factor in inflation, we're basically borrowing at close to nothing. So it's a, it's a really incredible time to see this stat. There's one stat that I saw here too. So second consecutive month of double digit gains makes sense, especially given the low base point, right? When March, April happened. So I'm not too surprised with that. However, there was a stat here. I'm trying to find, I thought I saw it. Even from a year over year perspective, it is still higher than it was the same time last year. So we're not in a level of just low inventory per se of like not a lot of people listening to homes. We're actually just at really high demand levels. That's the biggest difference this time around versus last year. Just a lot of people uh, are actively uh, looking and searching as we speak. So one thing that I brought up many times is we're having a lot of people buy homes that are originally renters. And this goes a lot to my case of why the market continues to increase. Millennials are growing up, so they want to settle down. So that's a huge subset of the population. That's about 80 million people altogether. Um, and the millennial age range goes up to the age of 38, which is actually the age of when most people are actually starting or at least considering to buy their very first house. So there is that aspect. As you can see, we are at about 68%, which is a 12 year high. So this has a lot to do with, uh, also the aspect of low interest rates, right? People that are renting that are typically in this category are also the ones that have decided, why am I renting when I just buy a house? And because they have more flexibility of where they choose to live, they have uh, more of an option to live a little bit further away, which are also cheaper. So there is that aspect of those two things that are really helping drive up the demand aspect of people getting into homes. And you're going to actually see, you might be shocked, where are the areas that are growing the fastest in terms of uh, appreciation? So you may be shocked at which county it is once I show over the data momentarily. However, let's go take a look. So as I mentioned, I always extract the data so that you can visually see for yourself what is actually happening from a market perspective. This is all tracked. I have to track it every single week. So you'll see any sort of trends. You'll see any sort of uh, flows with the prices. But also what I really am interested in seeing, because this is more of a leading indicator, which is how many new listings are coming on a week, but also how is the ratio of contingent pending versus the number of new listings. So as you look at this, this is for San Mateo County. You'll see that there's 162 new listings, which is about what it has been for all of July. It's about what it has been pre-shelter as well. So it's nothing high, nothing low. It's just pretty good levels. The main difference, though, is the number of continuing that and pending. You can see 181 versus 162. So we have more that is getting in contract and getting removed from the market than we are even hitting new listings. And as you can see, you may have hoped or expected some sort of slowdown over the weeks. But now at this week, we have seen uh, really, really high numbers, higher than it's been for a long time. So it's certainly not slowing down. It's, uh, it's certainly very competitive. Now, what does that mean from a price perspective? Single family residential uh, in San Mateo County is at, at, at an average about 
$2.3 million. I post what it was last week, so you can see how it has been trending. Fortunately, actually, for a lot of people, it has dropped a little bit. So we're not actually at all-time records, which it was in May, but we're pretty close to it. So um, you're not going to be expecting very much discounts by any means. We're just a little bit slower, a little bit lower than, than May, but we're still at um, you know the second highest uh, of the last of the last year for sure. And actually, for many, we're actually at the same amount of what it was, which was the height of 2018. Now, condos, townhomes, not as attractive, right? Number one, there's not as many of them. So there's only 1161 out of the last 12 months. So it's only about 100 a month. But you're going to see a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more options if you're buying a condo or townhome. So if you wanted a condo and townhome in San Mateo County, it's certainly a lot easier to get. And there's a lot less competition. Residential-wise, it's still very competitive as we speak, as you can see from this chart. Now, next one is Santa Clara County. Santa Clara County has been one of the hottest markets uh, since the shelter-in-place took place, given you get a lot more land. Uh, the weather is pretty nice out there. Uh, at the same time, it's uh, there's a lot to do. And so you can see the new listings have uh, actually been less than it was in the previous weeks, 343. So it is less than before. How, and you can also see the number that's contingent and pending at 396. So Santa Clara County has been very competitive because you can see over the weeks, the last five weeks, that really the contingent and pending numbers are, are generally higher the new listings. So we have this inventory squeeze and you can see from the prices as well, right? July record, record month, record amount for single family homes, all time highs. These levels are higher than it was in 2018, which around March timeframe was the record high. So we're hitting all time records in Santa Clara County. Uh, I don't suspect this is going to be slowing down from what I've seen with the offers that I make and how they go pending. It's still very competitive there. Now, Condos, townhomes as an asset class, as an asset class, very different, right? We're about roughly the same, if not flat, for the most parts, all throughout the year. And there's there is a lot more condos and townhomes uh, for Santa Clara County than, than there are in uh, in San Mateo County. We have over three thousand over the last twelve months, so there is more inventory, more options for people to choose from. So something to be aware of: relatively flat, not much discounts. So it's actually really good for buyers that are looking at condos, townhomes, because if you think about it, a year ago, rates were significantly higher, at least 0.75 to one point higher. Usually when that's the case, you might see a price difference of about actually about 10%. So the aspect that you're getting it at about the same amount is really beneficial for buyers. Um, but you can see from a single family perspective, very hot, uh, very popular asset class to be in. Now, Let's take a look at Contra Costa County, right? Contra Costa County was one of the interest is one of the certainly very interesting market. I have a client, uh, several clients that are looking out there, and I've seen the craziness and the intensity that's happening out there. I mean, we're seeing all cash buyers right now for whatever reason. Um, you can see we are at record highs, right? Look at the increase of what has happened of June, July. Like now we've passed for the first time. Uh, single family houses in Contra Costa County, over $1 million single family house, right? Contra Costa County, this is the result. So it's been really intense, uh, way higher than you see over the previous weeks. And this is not going to slow down. It's really intense out there. There is a lot of offers. There's a lot of bids. Uh, they're all breaking records. It's really intense out there. So it's it's pretty fascinating to see. 
condos, townhomes, similar result as everything else, right? About the same as it was over the last several months for the entire year. Not too much there. So you can see residential single family absolutely on fire across the board. It's a very popular asset class for a lot of people. Alameda County, on the other hand, a little bit different story. It's about the same, right? I mean, we're still higher than it was a year before, but nothing too crazy. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy. Relatively flat versus the last several months. Uh, so that's just something important for people to note. Same with uh, residential townhomes and condos, about the same. So nothing, nothing too crazy there. But this goes in line with all the other places in other parts of the Bay Area. And the last but certainly not least is San Francisco. So San Francisco finally wrapped up of July. So we're able to pull that amount. The stats I have is a little bit different, but it gives you an idea of where prices have been. The I've actually changed this. So this is actually not medium anymore. This is average. I'm actually even going to change this as we speak. So this is the average price. I actually changed these metrics. So it's actually more in line. I think the key for this though, is as long as the metrics are the same as you go through the, uh, a long period, then you're going to see very similar trends. But the average price of a condo is actually higher than it was in past. And you can see the number that has been sold is actually much higher uh, too. So it has actually recovered uh, quite a bit versus what it was before. You can see it was really slow over the last several months, but we've picked a pretty high level. Same with the number of single families that have sold in July, much, much higher and already what it was same time last year. So while there's a lot of press of people not wanting to stay in San Francisco and leave the area, it's certainly not being reflected too much from a price perspective. You can see year over year, it's a it's a little bit lower, but you can see, uh, actually, sorry, a year over year is a little bit higher. You can see June is also higher. So you're not seeing any discounts for single family in San Francisco. You do see more inventory for condos, but you can see the prices are still either about the same as what it was year over year or even higher. Um, so don't expect too many discounts per se when it comes to shopping, but you will have more options to choose from. So something very important to be realistic of the current market. You can choose to believe what you want to believe, but that's why I extract this information so people can, can uh, make a decision for themselves about this data. Well, I hope this was helpful. Like I said, every week I go over the latest market updates. I go over any sort of relevant headline articles, especially here in the Bay Area that could be of impact. Uh, but I also extract the information so that you can visually see it for yourself and you can see um, that it's very much more of an analytical approach that I go by. If you or anyone you know is interested in buying or selling, let me know. Happy to be a resource and happy to answer any questions you may have. We can always set up a private call or a private uh, video conferencing call so we can go over your situation and come up with a game plan for you and also leverage these crazy record low interest rates. I hope you have, uh, I hope this was helpful and I hope you have a great weekend. I'll see you at the next one. Bye now. Thank you so much for making it to the very end of my podcast. If you are tired of renting in the Bay Area, are a homeowner looking to do a trade up for a bigger home, or are a real estate investor, I would love to connect. Click on the Calendly link and let's set up a time to talk. It's never too early to talk about options and to work out a game plan. I also do have an email newsletter, so sign up on the link in the show notes or you're welcome to watch all of my content on YouTube. See you at the next one.